You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 935 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday to begin a brand new week. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. The Hawks get a win this evening over the Denver Nuggets by a final score of 123-115 to at State Farm Arena and a very nice performance from Atlanta, all things considered. They led comfortably for most of the second half, and through 30 games, they're now 13-17. and Now, that's not fantastic, obviously, but a year ago, they were 6-24 through 30 games. So, it is better, uh, given all the, all the injuries and all that stuff, and uh, I don't want to overstate it, but this, this was a nice win for Atlanta as a small underdog in this game. In fact... The Hawks had lost and the last 10 coming in, so it was a pretty important one in a lot of ways. They still have the same four injuries that they've been dealing with on the perimeter for quite some time now. And also, we're broke around 5 p.m. Eastern time that Lloyd Pierce would not be able to coach this evening because of the NBA's health and safety protocols. The Hawks never said that he was going to be coming back necessarily, but it was all anticipated it was going to be Sunday, according to reporting. And even Nate McMillan, who's still the interim coach as of today, um, said that the Hawks planned to have Pierce coach this game until Sunday afternoon when the NBA sort of stepped in to, uh, I guess, keep Pierce out of that for the protocol reasons. All signs point to Tuesday as the target date now, according to Nate McMillan and others. But um, they also had a, a Zoom call before the game with Pierce to game plan. And also McMillan said after the game that Pierce sent a text message during halftime talking about some adjustment ideas. So Loy's definitely been in the mix and still coaching from afar during this time. But I'm not a huge surprise that he'd be out for another game. Obviously, the protocols are pretty strict right now. And it's also worth noting that Sarah Spencer of the AJC reported that Pierce is not tested positive for COVID-19. He needs some more negative tests after traveling via plane and actually just being in the hospital for the birth of his child. So nothing to worry about there with Pierce, but he'll be back hopefully on Tuesday. Um, and obviously, everything is uh, going well there with his family, according to McMillan, and all that was positively said about the game. But anyway, he's on the bench for this one. And it was worth noting also that the Nuggets were shorthanded in their own right there without Paul Millsap, old friend, as well as Gary Harris and Jermichael Green. So basically three of their top seven or eight players, including three of their better defensive players, which is worth pointing out because they were so bad on defense in this game throughout. But still, the Hawks were underdogs in this game. According to our friends at BetOnline.ag, the Hawks were about two and a half three-point underdogs at various moments during the game leading up to tip-off on Saturday night. So, sorry, on Sunday night. So, yeah, it's interesting to sort of talk about this game and that the Hawks played well. The Hawks get a win comfortably, at least reasonably comfortably, and they were quote-unquote supposed to lose as, as underdogs, but kind of a coin flip game, honestly, in a lot of ways, and they won it and played quite well in doing so. Okay, we'll dive in now to the game as we always do on the podcast, uh, sort of the ebbs and flows of how this one went. And the early going, it actually was, um, I would say, favoring the Nuggets for quite some time in the first half. Um, out of the gate, the Hawks struggled from the floor. They were 2 of 8. They trailed 10 to 5 in the early going. Um, Cam Reddish started slowly. He misses for three shots um, sort of to start the uh, game off. And, you know, they had a, they gave up a 3 to Michael Porter Jr. Uh, kind of right away after some weirdly bad help from Reddish. They went sort of through their normal rotations in a lot of ways. But Collins got his second foul. Uh, pretty quickly after he came back in for Capella midway through the first quarter, and it was kind of a weak call on a loose ball as well. They went to the bench 
And it was actually bench plus Trey at the start, including Anekai Kongwu, who McMillan said was going to play in this game. And uh, that was noteworthy because you don't always see that like sort of announced ahead of time. But he was quite good in this game, at least for his um, normal role, as well as Gallinari on the other side. So it was the young guy and the old guy kind of both playing well in this game, at least, com- at least when compared to the recent performances. But the Hawks got a steal in the first possession. They get free throws from Gallinari. And they actually missed, uh, Akong was sealing Jamal Murray on what, what probably would have been a duck if they threw the ball to him. But he actually took a corner three momentarily after that, which is kind of funny. It was actually to beat the shot clock, and Tony Snell, who was great in this game, actually passed on an open shot that he probably should have taken. But Akong was shot it with confidence. He missed it, but it was pretty decent looking, which is encouraging for the long term, I would say. And then uh, Young found Akong for a lob dunk that looked pretty springy, I thought, for Akong that he finished. The Hawks did, though, trail by as many as nine in the first quarter, and then trail by by six at the end of the first quarter after Snell had a three late. Offensively, it was fine, uh, pretty decent actually in the first quarter, but defensively, they were allowing the Nuggets to kind of do whatever they wanted, quite frankly. Other than Jokic, who never, who never got going in this game, Denver shot 65% from the floor in the first quarter, including four of seven from three, and uh, they scored about 1.3 points per possession, which is very bad defense. The rest of the game, though, it was pretty impressive for Atlanta until like at least until garbage time, sort of. Well, I won't say garbage time, sort of garbage time in the fourth quarter when they were leading by enough to be kind of comfortable. At any rate, the second quarter was interesting. And I think pretty important, honestly, in the grand scheme of this win. The Hawks played with their full bench unit at the start of the second quarter without Trey Young. It was it was Trey plus the bench at the end of the first. And then they went with the full bench for a while in the second with Skylar Mays at the point. They made a, a three on the first possession. It was Gallinari with a three. And Mike Malone, who was incensed in this game, pretty much throughout. He was uh, not happy with the defense pretty much all night long for Denver. Uh, and, you know, rightly so, I will say. But after that, he called a timeout within, like, 15 seconds of the first, start of the second quarter. But from there, it was a nice uh, stretch by Kongwu. I thought he had, he had a three-point play. He had some good help side defense. He ran the floor hard. That was good to see from him. Gallinari was contributing as well. In fact, the Hawks scored the first 10 points of the second quarter. It was a 13-0 run overall by the Hawks. And Denver didn't score for like three-plus minutes. And that gave the Hawks a small lead after they had trailed for the most part to that point. Snell was hot in this game, made his first four threes along the way, including three uh, in short order in the first half. And the full bench unit was plus six in 4-10 of the first quarter. That was pretty good from Akongwu and others. Um, they held they held Jokic down in a big way. In fact, he had one point. This is a top five MVP candidate, by the way. Like, Jokic was not struggling coming into this game. He was awesome this year. He got some numbers late, but he had one point pretty late in the first half. And, and Collins had a nice uh, help side block on him that led to a layup in the other end of the floor. That, that allowed them to uh, sort of rest Trey Young for a long time. In the second quarter, that was a, that was probably a nice thing to have him get has have him have some fresh legs in the second half, and a lot of positives there. Late in the half, once they went back to the starters, there was a killer offensive run from the Hawks. I will read off a couple plays that happened there in a row. There was a nice floater by Trey, followed by a strong, I would say, a pretty good finish from Kevin Herter at the rim. Not always what he's strongest at, but it was a nice move and a finish from him. Then a kickout pass from Young to Reddish for a corner three. Then some big-to-big passing from Collins to Capella for an easy bucket. And then finally a lob from Young to Collins. It was a great pass by Young and a great finish by Collins. All those back-to-back-to-back-to-back, which is really impressive offensively. I will say, Denver's defense was bad in this game. Now, part of that's the Hawks playing well. Part of that's that Denver is not good de- is not good defensively overall. And, um, again, missing three of their better defensive players. But they were uh, a mess in transition. That's for sure, and the Hawks took advantage of that, uh, led by Trey Young, of course. But Gallinari had two dunks in this game, uh, which is crazy. 
given where he's been so far this year. And the only thing I want to point out otherwise was that Collins could not get a foul call in this game for a lot of it. There was a couple of really bad no calls, I thought, at the end of the first quarter. Sorry, end of the first half on Collins. Didn't didn't bite the Hawks, but kind of a weird thing. He's never got someone that gets a ton of calls, and it's kind of strange to me. But alas, uh, there you have it. At any rate, it was a 13-6 overall run by the Hawks to close the first half to lead by eight points. There was a technical foul on Trey Young going into the locker room for arguing, but other than that, uh, not too much to speak of negatively for Atlanta. They shot 68% from the floor. Yeah, 68% from the floor in the second quarter, including uh, you know a pretty strong mark for three-point range. And for the half, 55%. They were pretty balanced as well. That was the theme the entire game. You know, Trey was awesome, but the balance was really impressive. The Hawks had six guys at the half with eight points or more. That continued throughout the rest of the game. Defensively, it was kind of a mess at times, but they they held Denver off the free throw line for the most part, and they dominated the defensive glass throughout this contest, which is huge. So going into the half, up eight, obviously not uh, in the clear at that point in time, but a pretty strong first half performance, all things considered. And we will talk about the second half in a second, but first, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, and many more sports are in full swing. But there's only one place that has you covered, one place that we trust, and that place is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 50% welcome bonus with the site. On top of the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, baseball is on the way in the near future and all kinds of additional angles to handicap, including awards, TV shows, and reality TV. In fact, there are dozens of real-time updated props on almost anything you can imagine, and BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds, including future bets, if you want to look way ahead. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead, get in on the action and visit the website or use a mobile device to sign up today. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, the second half obviously was pretty positive for Atlanta as well, but you know, you go into halftime up eight, you're in a good spot. The Hawks have struggled at times with that kind of advantage this year, um, and they took their foot and put it on the gas, which I really appreciated in this spot. It was Trey Young, for the most part, in the third quarter. He was just incredible, honestly. Trey was really good this entire game, but the third quarter was really owned by him at the outset, and we'll start there now. They got an easy bucket from Young to Capella to go up by 10. Uh, the Hawks did give up some easy buckets defensively, I will say, early in the third quarter. It was a little bit shaky coming out of the gate there, but Trey it kind of overcame all of that with his, with his offense. He hit back-to-back threes, including about a 32-footer that was uh, pretty pretty long and pretty contested and was a pretty impressive shot. And then Capella got a dunk from Trey to go up by 12. A couple of bunkers passes in that run, one from Trey, but the first one I wanted to point out was from Jokic. This crazy like water polo touch pass that he made that made me laugh out loud when it happened. It was really impressive. And then Young's pass that I wanted to point out was kind of this whip pass to the right corner for John Collins. And actually, John missed a three, so people kind of missed that pass. That was an incredible look from Trey. Regardless, though, the Hawks scored um, you know, pretty consistently this entire way. And after a timeout in there, Young had another deep three to go up by 13. He made his first three threes of the second half and a couple of nice block shots from Collins as well. The Hawks then scored nine straight points overall to go up 85-66. So from eight at the halftime break to up 19 in about seven minutes. That was a big swing. And uh, I'll, I'll point this out now. Trey Young scored or assisted on the first 19 points of the second half and also 25 of the first 27 points in the second half. So 
obviously that speaks for itself. He was impacting the game as a scorer, as a guy who was making his floater, as a long-distance shooter, and obviously as a passer as well. He was really, really good the entire game, especially in this run. And his last three there in that push put the Hawks up by the most they were up the entire game, which was 22 late in the third quarter. Um, after Denver kind of woke up a little bit, a timeout by the Hawks when, they, when the lead was back to 17, and they, they actually used a full bench lineup again late in the third to try to give the starters some rest. It worked okay. They played to dead even, which is all you can ask for, and that had Gallinari's second dunk of the night, which is kind of noteworthy. But through three quarters, the numbers were awesome for Atlanta. Trey had 25 and 13 through three quarters. Uh, Snell had 12. Capella had 16 and 10. Um, they were shooting the ball great. Um, and that kind of was all that mattered. I mean, obviously the fourth quarter went Denver's way overall, but when you factor in all of the, you know, all the things going into that formula, the Hawks through three quarters was probably more indicative of the game itself. And the Hawks played great through that point in time. In the fourth, they went to the full bench again, trying to hold out a little bit longer. And that was, able, they were able to do it for the most part. A nice block by Akongu at the rim. He showed again quite a bit in this game, I thought. And then Gallinari had a pretty hilarious play early in the fourth I'm pretty sure he threw the ball to himself off the backboard in a uh, an old-school playground way, which is pretty pretty funny. Uh, he got the ball back, got fouled, made free throws to go up by 19 with about 9.30 to go. And it's pretty safe at that point in time. Still, though, I know Hawks fans were telling me on Twitter, I'm sure they felt it, no safety in there. Obviously, the Nuggets weren't going to go away entirely. And they did hang around the entire way, to their credit. But uh, the Hawks were never seriously challenged. A couple of times where it got a little bit dicey in the fourth, um, back-to-back threes by Denver, uh, wrapped around a, a, a turnover by Skylar Mays, and then Denver gets back within 13. After a timeout, they brought Young, Herder, and Collins back in, but overall it was an 8-0 run by the Nuggets that actually wrapped around three turnovers by the Hawks in a row. That's when it got shaky. When it goes from 19 down to 11, and does so when you're the one kicking the ball around, that's when it gets a little bit crazy for you, and there's plenty of time remaining from there. But they held up okay in that little run, and that ended up uh, sort of stifling the Denver push. With four minutes to go, they're up by 15 points. And it's almost over at that point. They got it down below 10 a few times in the very, very, very late stages when it didn't really matter anymore. Um, but frankly, it was, it was I guess it was as low as seven at one point before it settled in at eight at the uh, closing bell. But it never actually got too perilous in the fourth quarter. They tried to hack Clint Capella, which... It's a bad strategy. We discussed this a little bit over the weekend, at least at the end of last week, when the Hacka kind of re-emerged. I'd sort of get it if you're bad enough, but Capella, I think, is too good of a free throw shooter to do this with. I think the only way that you could explain it is that uh, they were down 14 when they started doing this. There is some variance there. And if, if you're losing by double digits, you want variance because you're probably going to lose, but it helps you at least have a better chance to potentially overcome things. So fouling there is a little bit more defensible than if it was happening in the first half, but still it didn't work. And uh, credit to Clint for making his free throws. The Hawks didn't play great in the fourth overall, I didn't think, but they, they, did, they did enough and they held, you know, Jamal Murray got, got a little bit hot, but they did enough. They made plays. Trey got to the line a bunch in the fourth, did his job in making free throws and uh, they never, they never let things get out of control. Denver made seven threes in the fourth quarter, and had 10 free throws. So that makes the defensive numbers look worse for the full game. Honestly, the Hawks were better than that um, when it comes to like what actually mattered. you know, They were playing, I will say, pretty conservatively in the fourth defensively, which is probably the right thing to do when you're, when you're up by that much. But you know, keep that all in mind when you're sort of, sort of factoring in all of the numbers in this game. But at the end of the day, an eight-point win at home, very, very solid when you're an underdog as well. It was really balanced offensively, as we'll talk about in a second. 
But, you know, I'm just going to read the – other than Trey had 35, of course. You have Capella with 22. Collins had 12. Herter had 11. Reddish had 8. Gallinari had 12. Okongwu had 9. Snell had 12. So that's really balanced. Like, that is – basically your top eight scorers had eight points or more in this game, including six guys with double figures. Just really balanced, really effective on the whole. They, tr- they took care of the ball pretty well in this game. Only 11 turnovers. That's pretty pretty solid for this Hawks team this season. They dominated the defensive glass. That was important in this game. I think Denver is a team that can beat you up a little bit on the interior if you let them. And the Hawks only allowed the Nuggets to have three offensive rebounds in the entire game. That's an 8% offensive rebound rate. Um, and just for the record, like a very bad offensive rebound rate is like 20%. So they got no momentum on the glass at all, and that's credit to Capella and Collins and all those guys rebounding sort of as a gang uh, around the rim. And then, um, assist-wise, the Hawks got 29 assists in this game. They had more than the Nuggets did. They won the turnover battle. They just kind of did all the little things in this spot. They got to the line 27 times, uh, sorry, 33 times, made 27 of them. So you win the assist battle. You shoot just as well as, you, as the opposition. You win the rebounding battle. You win the turnover battle. Free throws go in your favor. Like, all those things are pretty positive, and the Hawks did them all. So credit to them playing very, very well, and uh, did, did sort of just did enough with their offense in this game. Again, broadly speaking, the Nuggets are pretty bad defensively. They're not, like, terrible, terrible at full strength. They're below average. And then if you remove the three guys that they were playing without in this game, Millsap, Harris, and Green, along with P.J. Dozier, who's, like, another extra guy defensively, um, they're probably a bottom 10 defense, maybe worse. So some of that's noise, but the Hawks just played very well offensively in this game. Now, defensively, it wasn't perfect. Uh, I think the numbers were better than they, than they actually were at the end of the game, but they still allowed about a 118 offensive rating to the Nuggets. That's too much. Obviously, it's more than you would want to allow. Um, they, they did a great job on Jokic, which, which, which we'll talk about more with Capella later on, but they, they really did a good job surrounding him, making it a lot difficult on him. Murray got a little bit hot late, but he was not really a huge, huge, huge factor before that. They held up decently well against Barton and Michael Porter Jr. So um, defensively, it was not their best nor was it their worst. And when you play that way offensively, when Young is that good in particular offensively, you are in uh, perfectly perfectly fine shape, we'll say. Okay, before we get into some individual takeaways and look ahead a little bit to the rest of the week and beyond, a word from our friends at Built Bar. I've been telling you for a long time that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is still very much the case. But also, the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. The original flavors are fantastic and they continue to be so, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including new selections like caramel brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, and, a, and of course, my personal favorite, in cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're all soft and easy to chew, which is also very important to point out. And from there, I should remind you that Built Bar is also fantastic. For those of us trying to be health conscious, you can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying something that's absolutely delicious. Bars are low calorie, high protein, low sugar, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet with all the nutrients you need. And again, a taste that puts other competitors in the space to absolute shame. In order to check it all out, BuiltBar.com is the place to go. Yes, it's BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON when you get there. When you visit BuiltBar.com and use that promo code, you'll get 20% off your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com and try Built Bar today. Okay, we will wrap up now with the individual uh, part of the podcast, as we always do. And uh, a lot of positives here, just as a, as a broad strokes takeaway. Um, the two guys who did not do huge numbers in terms of their production and the box score were Solomon Hill and Skylar Mays. 
Um, just for the record as well, Bruno Fernando and Brandon Goodwin both got DNPs in this game. I have no huge issue with that whatsoever. It was Maze over Fernando. Sorry, Maze over Goodwin, I should say. And Okongwu over Fernando in the, in the rotation. No issues with those. Uh, Maze was okay. I thought he was just kind of solid. Wasn't fa- wasn't fantastic. 104 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3. So not a huge impact as a score, but had two steals, had two assists, a pretty steady hand, played decent defense as well. I think he played, uh, he, did his, he did his job for the most part. I had some nice things said about him by Nate McMillan after the game and a perfectly solid performance from Skyler. Solomon Hill wasn't a huge factor either. Did not score 0 of 2 from the floor, had a rebound and assist. Was plus one though, had a, you know, 15 minutes. He, he was not, again, he's not a huge offensive explosive piece if he's not making a jump shot, especially. But I thought he was, uh, he was okay, probably a little bit below average for him, but nothing terrible. Tony Snell. Uh, made his first four threes, finished up four or five, had 12 points. He's shooting like a, like 55% from the three this year. It's just kind of crazy how hot he's been. But honestly, that's what you need from Tony Snell. Tony Snell plays defense and shoots threes. That's what he's doing, and that's what he's going to be out there for. And honestly, if they had closed this game, it, uh, it was pretty tight. He played some crunch time. Uh, they sort of alternated at times between Herter and Reddish and Snell, and that was not a problem. I think Snell has earned some of those co- kind of closing minutes uh, over the way that um, Reddish and Hunter Herter have played so far in the recent days. But anyway, Snell's, Snell's, Snell's playing very well. That's worth pointing out. Um, and then a couple of nice bounce backs from Akongwu and Gallinari. We'll go to Akongwu first. He had nine points, two rebounds, and a block in 14 minutes. 4-7 from the floor. He took the 1-3 that was kind of a shot clock eve. Got to the line, made his only shot at the line after he finished their three, a three-point play. Had uh, no turnovers. Uh, two fouls and it was plus three. I thought it was really encouraging for a Kongwu. You don't want to overdo it either, but I think there's been a little bit too much negativity that I have heard from people about a Kongwu. He's very young at this point in time. I would not worry. Um, at the same time, I have I have agreed that he's not been ready to go necessarily. He's not making make an impact. This is a guy who just turned 20. Uh, I'm not worried about a Kongwu long-term. Obviously, he has to be better than he's been so far, but the flashes, especially in this game, were there. He plays really hard. He ran the floor really hard in this game. His help side defense was really good. His finishing was better in this game. He just played with more confidence, more under control, and uh, against a team that has some other guys, that was uh, pretty impressive. So, shouts to him. A positive night for a Kongwu overall. And then Gallinari... Um, we were kind of joking about the dunks that he had, but they, they did happen. He was a little bit better moving in this game. I thought he was a little bit better, better athletically overall. Made some shots. He got to the line five times. He was uh, 12 points on seven shooting possessions. Sorry, eight, eight shooting possessions, but still very, very efficient. Five rebounds, three assists, two steals. A couple of nice plays against uh, Jokic defensively. I'm, uh, I'm not saying that he was perfect, because he wasn't, but it was much better from Gallinari. I'm not sure why Denver was doubling him as, in the way they were at times in this game, after the way he's been playing this, this year so far, but um, Gallo was much better in this game than he has been the last couple of uh, weeks. So that's a positive overall for Atlanta. To the starters, uh, the one guy who struggled a little bit was Reddish offensively. He was 2 of 8 from the floor at 8 points. But even then, he had, he had a steal. He was 4 rebounds, 1 assist. You know, He wasn't good offensively. He was 0-3 on twos, a couple of bad decisions, um, but I-, I thought he was okay overall, and then defensively, he made some noise and did his job on that end of the floor. Kevin Herter uh, was better in this game after he really, really struggled on Friday. He had 11 points, 5-8 from the floor, 1-4 from three, four rebounds, two assists. He fouled out of this game in the last like minute or so. He was plus nine, though. I thought Kevin was much better. Um, more engaged, had a couple of nice finishes at the rim, which is encouraging from him, and I thought, um, you know, in general, he was just fine and solid. Um, John Collins didn't shoot it well again. 5 of 13 from the floor, including 0 of 5 from 3. 
but I thought he was leaps and bounds better in terms of the way that he impacted the game without making shots. There will be nights where he's not making shots. That's not a problem. But he was uh, he was pretty bad on Friday. In this game, he was not. He really wasn't bad at all, despite the inefficient shooting for him. He had two blocks. He had 11 rebounds, uh, three assists. I thought John made the right play a lot. He just didn't, he just didn't have his jumper, which is okay. It's going to happen sometimes. But I thought he was good. Um, capital G good. Other than that. Uh, Capella and Young, obviously, with the two standouts in this game. Capella, 22-10. and 10. It's going along with a block shot. And really out Jokic. And I know a uh, friend of the podcast, Bob Rathman, talked about this on the broadcast. But Capella has a really good record against Jokic. Obviously, you don't want to assign too much to him individually on that. Obviously, going dating back to Houston with James Harden and all that stuff. But he played him well. He was definitely prepared for Jokic. Uh, McMillan talked about this after the game as well. Just kind of making life difficult on Jokic, making him shoot over the defense all that stuff, and Capella was fundamentally sound and also explosive, and rebounding-wise, he's always really good. So I thought he played very well, and it was a huge. It was huge to have him in this game, and they kind of paired him with Jokic for a lot of the game defensively on purpose. That was the right decision, and the Hawks did a pretty good job on him overall, which a lot of that credit goes to Capella. And then finally, Trey Young was awesome in this game. Thirty-five points, five sorry, fifteen assists, six rebounds, a steal, only three turnovers, plus six. In 36 minutes, he was 10 of 19 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3, 11 of 13 from the free throw line. And I tweeted this, but I'll say it again here. If Young has his floater and his three-point shooting in the way that he did in this game, you can't guard him. It's basically just as simple as that. Um, He's not always going to have those things at the same time because it's really hard to make all of your shots. But if he's going to have all of his weapons... uh, Denver has just no answer. Obviously, Denver is, again, not a good defensive team. We saw that in the bubble even last year. But... It was not even, like, competitive. Trey was toying with him for the most part in the second half of this game. And you could tell he was playing with confidence, making all those shots that he was making from floater range to three-point range, getting to the line, and he was just, he was awesome again. I mean, there's no, there's no other way around it. He was dominant, and it showed up in this spot. And if the Hawks get that performance from him all the time, they're going to be really good. So, overall, again, a very, very, very nice win. You don't want to overstate it. It's February. It's not like any one game means that much, positively or negatively, by the way. I'll be the first to tell you that when they lose a game, it's not the end of the world. But a nice win, to be sure. And then the rest of the schedule this week is pretty interesting. They go to Cleveland on Tuesday. Cleveland is quite bad right now. But it's a road game. You can certainly lose that one if you don't play well. And then it's a back-to-back. So the Hawks have six more games now after today before they go to the All-Star break. And only one at home. And it's... Second night of a back-to-back on Wednesday against Boston. So they have one on the road against Cleveland. They come over Boston. They have a four-game road trip to end the first half of the season. So the schedule's not too brutal. It's Oklahoma City. It's Miami twice. It's Orlando after this. The schedule of teams they're playing is not too bad. But the road is the road in the NBA, and we'll see how they respond to this. But again, 13-17, and they're in perfectly fine shape at this moment in time. I know everyone would like to be 17-13 and instead of 13-17. and I totally understand that. But if you look at the underlying numbers, the Hawks are playing reasonably decent basketball. Um, they are currently, at this very moment as I'm recording, they are tied for 10th in the Eastern Conference with Miami. They have the exact same record at 13-17. and They're a half game behind Chicago. They're one and a half games behind the Knicks and the Hornets, two behind Boston. So there's a full jumble. In fact, number four through number 12 in the East right now are separated by three games total. So yeah, anything can happen in this run. But uh, on the bright side, you're playing a Cavs team on Tuesday, and the Cavs have lost, I believe, their last 10. Yeah, their last 10 consecutive games. So you certainly don't want to lose to them, that's for sure. But they're not playing well. That's a pretty favorable matchup 
in a lot of ways. I'm planning to do a podcast between now and then. Um, hopefully I can get that done and I have a guest that I'm hopefully going to have lined up for Monday evening. If not, I might do a mailbag. We'll see what happens, but please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend or two or three or four or your whole family or whatever you want to do about the show. Rate, review, subscribe, and uh, hopefully everybody can enjoy this win. Monday's an off day, and then the Hawks are back on Tuesday, so we'll see you next time.